Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. You may be seated. Praise you, Lord. It is so good to be here in the building. Um, a few people said to me last week, they're like, oh, Andrew, I forgot you weren't there because you were watching on the screen and it was great to be able to join you via video, uh, but it, it just wasn't quite the same for, uh, I'm trying to think now, who else was homesick with me that day? Uh, I think it was Nathaniel and, and uh, Theo and I uh, at home. Uh, but it's great to be able to be here in the building with you, those who are on online and those in Birigara. Greetings to you guys. Um, so good to open up the Word of God together. Um, Josh, can you just grab the pulpit for me there? Um, we're going to open up this morning to God's Word. But first, I want to just ask the question, um, do, we, do we have any movie fans that are here today? Any, any people that are like, you're a movie buff. Um, I wonder if you've ever seen a movie or you've read a book and you're like, oh yeah, that was good. But the other people that saw the movie or read the book, they're just like, they just have so much to talk about. And you're like, yeah, it was good, but what are you talking about? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Maybe it's one of those Marvel movies. Now, to be honest, I am not really a Marvel movie fan, but um, I, I, I know like that all the Marvel movies is like, if you haven't seen this one, and I'm looking at Eric here, and I'm like, yeah, you haven't seen this one? Like, you don't understand that one? And I'm like, this character is like intertwined with that story, and it's just all one big mesh of movies to make a conglomerate of money. Um, <laughs> or maybe, any, any Star Wars fans here? I'm more of a Star Wars fan, and, and, and if anyone's watched them in the proper order, you know, four, five, six, and then one, two, three, because that's the proper order. Don't You can debate that with me afterwards, but... Who's the hero of the story? Like, if you watch the old ones, who's the hero? It's Luke. It's, it's, it's Luke. It's, he is the hero. But then you go back and you watch one, two, three. And I've got to admit, there's just a, a possibility that we have to consider that maybe Anakin is the real hero. And I, it pains me to say it. But if you've seen the whole trilogy, you've just got to start to understand and put it all together. And it gives you a different picture. Maybe you're a Narnia fan. Any Narnia fans here? Uh, but if you've seen the movie and you love the movie, but you miss the fact that this movie is written by C.S. Lewis, the, the story is written by C.S. Lewis, and he had a deep faith in Christ. And if you don't understand the symbolism of, of um, Aslan and, and, and all that is represented in the movie and the sacrifice that Aslan makes, you have missed the plot of the movie. <laughs> like you're missing out on so much. And this morning, as we continue to look at the book of Joshua, I pray that it will be for some of us, like as, as we look at episode two, that we will see it in light of episode one, two, three, four, five, and six. Because I think we've got to understand the New Testament context of the Old Testament to fully understand the Old Testament. And as we read the New Testament, to be honest, we've got to understand the Old Testament um, lens that we then read the New Testament through. And if we're not using both those lenses, we are missing out as we read through Scripture. And uh, just to throw in a 
quick promo there. Um, if you feel like you don't have a great grasp of the Scripture, I encourage you, the next time we do our biblical formation course, to, to jump in and be involved in that. It's just been fantastic to go through the Old Testament together. We've got one week left. Um, looking forward to that. My prayer this morning is that we will, as we look at the book of Joshua, it won't just be a history lesson that we learn about some nice stuff that God did. Uh, it's really cool, actually, how the, the communion message and the songs have linked in with what we're going to talk about today. But we will see and understand God's plan for us, and that we will be challenged, that we will be moved, that we will be encouraged as we look at God's Word together this morning. So let's pray before we open up. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you are here with us, that Lord, you have made your home in our hearts, Lord, by your Spirit. And God, we just pray this morning that you would lead us, that God, you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would mould us, shape us, sharpen us for your glory, God, we pray. Lord, for anyone who is here today who maybe they're here for the first time, maybe they're kind of here and sort of going, Andrew, I don't actually have a clue what you're talking about. God, I just pray that you would help them to know your love for them. Lord, for anyone who's watching online today, God, that you would help them to understand the, the fullness of your plan for them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, I was going to say the title of my message. Last week, we were talking about winning every day. And this morning, the title of my message is Supernatural Faith. And if it doesn't make sense, that title, I'm going to explain it at the end for you. There you go. Let's open up our Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. And we're just going to read the last couple of verses from chapter 4, just to remember what was happening last time. In verse 21 it says, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried, up, dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all, all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So last week we talked about how the people of Israel passed through the Jordan River, and it was an amazing, miraculous moment. God did something supernatural and powerful but God's plan was not just that there would be this awesome, amazing moment and then the people would move on. The plan in this moment was that God would do this, that they would see His power and that they would have a holy reverence and, and fear of Him. Not just the people of Israel, but all the nations of earth might fear this God. And over the last few years, a few times, we've talked about how the fear of God is... Imagine for a moment you're under a, a great and powerful king. Like it's an awesome thing to be a part of his kingdom. But if you're on the other team, if you're on the other side and there is an awesome, powerful king who is just all powerful, it's a frightening thing. But the thing is, if we are on God's side, it's an awesome, amazing thing. We should, should still have a reverent fear and awe of Him, but we come to Him in worship. Our, our fear is turned into worship as we know Him as our Saviour. So let's read on from chapter 5 and verse 1 with that context in mind. It says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River, 
so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. Yes, you heard that right, if you haven't read the story before. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire population of Israel at Gibeth Haloth. I think there might have been a lot of ha <laughs> Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal on the plains of the Jericho, they, of Jericho, they, passed, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on that day, on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. From that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, remembering that Jericho is the, the next city from the Jordan that uh, they're about to face... When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. God had done something supernatural, amazing and wonderful for the people of Israel. They had entered into the promised land. They'd crossed the Jordan. It was amazing. And then God reminds Joshua of the covenant and Israelite, the Israelites part of this covenant which was circumcision. And let's just turn over for a moment to Genesis chapter 17, where we read the covenant that God makes with Abram. Those many years before, in verse 9 to 14, it says, Then God said to Abram, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. 
Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now, I just want to point out, praise be to God, we live in a new covenant era and we have a New Testament that declares, like the, the, the apostles came together and said, we decide that they do not have to be circumcised anymore. And all the men said, hallelujah. <laughs> so we, we're not having any big religious festival after the service this morning for uh, if you've missed out. We, we're not doing that. Um, that's not where this is going in case you're sitting there sweating. Just want to point that out right now. And so the Israelites do what God says. Snip. Except I've got a feeling the snip was not just like a medical pair of scissors snip. They, did not, not, they didn't have medical grade uh, scalpels. They had flint knives. <laughs> Makes me shudder. <laughs> I don't exactly know what a flint knife looks like and I have a feeling it's not quite that sharp. Um... Sorry, I've got to get my brain. But they did it. They obeyed. A whole nation of men, probably from eight days old right through to 40 years old, were circumcised that day. There was a cost to obeying and keeping the covenant. It took some commitment and it made them vulnerable. I don't know about if you've ever had any kind of... Um, um, surgery or personal... Um, um, private thing that needed some kind of medical treatment, but there's a vulnerability to what the Israelites went through personally, but also as a nation, there was a vulnerability that these people were, that the people of Israel circumcised all these fighting aged men. And there was some resting and there was some healing that had to happen for a period of time afterwards. I imagine there might have been some, who knows, infections and other things to deal with. And it was to make their people vulnerable, but, but they chose to trust God and not just their strength. Kind of reminds me about what we were talking about with Rahab a couple of weeks ago. It also reminds me of what Jesus challenges the people in Luke 14. When Jesus says to the people, count the cost before you come follow me. He says, if you choose to build a building and you don't have the, if you haven't counted up the cost and you start the building and you don't have the funds to finish it, you're going to look like a fool. He says, before you come follow me, you've got to realize you've got a cross to carry. There is a cross to carry if you're going to come follow me, Jesus says. Count the cost. Sometimes there is a cost to the command of God. I wonder, have you counted the cost? Are you willing to pay the price that whatever it is, God calls you to pay? Are we willing to serve him even when it hurts? Are we willing to serve him even when it makes us have to be vulnerable? Maybe with those around us, maybe with before other people, maybe we get criticized, we get ridiculed because we have this faith in Christ that they just don't understand. Now, if you read through James, it talks about let there be tears for the things that you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief and repentance, and then he will lift you up in honor. And we need to make ourselves vulnerable at times. Even as Christians, as followers of Christ, there are times, there are things in our life where we need to be vulnerable with each other. That's why life groups are so important. It's why it's so important to be in fellowship with one another, that we can be vulnerable with one another and, and confess our sins. And, and there is a strength, there is a unity as we do that, that God lifts us up. 
So while all the men of Israel rested and restored, recovered, the time came to celebrate the Passover. And I can't imagine how excited they were as they celebrated that Passover feast together. This was the first time since God began that festival of Passover when they left Egypt, God commanded them to, to sacrifice the, the lamb and to, they, they ate it together and they painted the blood of the lamb over the door frames of their house. As we read the story of Exodus, it, it tells us how all the people who painted the blood of the lamb over the door frame, the angel of death passed over them and their, their children were not harmed. And then Pharaoh said, go, let these people be gone. And they gave them their gold and their wealth. And they, they, they walked out into freedom away from Egypt. And they were told to celebrate this, to remember what God had done for them in Egypt. And finally, they're in the land. God has been faithful. Even though they were unfaithful and had to wander for 40 extra years, God had delivered them and they were in the land eating the Passover, remembering what God had done for them. It would have been an awesome moment. Now, I've got to pause for a moment and point out that we know that the blood of the lamb that they painted over their homes was symbolic of the one who was coming, who is our Passover lamb. Jesus' life was sacrificed that we might go free, that we could be delivered from sin and death, that we could have freedom. Anyone who, who comes under the blood of Christ, who surrenders their life to him, is set free in the same way the Israelites were set free from Egypt, only in such a better way. <laughs> and now every week, every time we gather together, as we commanded every time we meet together, to, we, we take communion as a reminder of not just the deliverance from Egypt, but God's deliverance for us from sin. That Jesus' sacrifice paid the price for us. He rose again victorious, that we have the victory in Him. Church, in Christ, we live in freedom from sin and death. Let's never lose sight of that. Just as the people of Israel, they walked free from Egypt, we need to realize the freedom that we live in. The people of Israel, so many times, they start to see the, the giants, they see the challenges, and they forget the freedom that God has won for them. And church, we live in the freedom from sin and death through the blood of Christ. It should mean so much more. It should be so much more exciting for us to celebrate communion and to remember the Passover, to know God's faithfulness and that He fulfills His promises. And then we see this interesting encounter of Joshua in verse 13 with the commander of the Lord's army. Remembering that uh, Joshua is just near Jericho and he knows there's giants in the land. He's, he's scattered out the land with the ten others that said the giants we can't go in. He knows the challenges that lie ahead and he sees this man, I don't know, the, angel, uh, the, the commander of the Lord's army. I kind of picture a pretty big buff guy, I don't know. Um, but he sees this, this man holding the sword. And Joshua's immediate reaction is, are you for us or against us? Are you friend or foe? And the commander of the Lord's army simply says, neither. Which I don't know about you, but it kind of, at first it sort of surprises me when I read that. Because you sort of think, this is, this is the, the leader of the Israelites. This is Joshua we're talking about. Like, surely the commander of the Lord's army should say, yeah, I'm on your side. But he says, neither. And church, I think we need to ask ourselves today, 
not, God, are you on my side? But God, am I on your side? Am I on his side? Because I think the angel of the Lord knows how fickle the people were. Commander of the Lord's armies comes before Joshua and as Joshua asks, are you for us or against us? I think he kind of stops and makes Joshua ask himself, hang on, are we on your side? Because man, I want to be, because I know we're in trouble if we're not. And it says he falls on his face and says, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Tell me what you want me to do. And then we see what God says to Joshua and the people about what they've got to do as they go towards Jericho, but we'll leave that for another day. It reminds me again of something Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 23, and it's not on the screen in case you're looking for it, Josiah. Luke 11, 23, Jesus says, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. I find that a a sobering reality check. Am I on his side? Am I working with Christ? Am I submitted to the one who gave himself for me? Am I on the winning side? Am I following Christ? Am I living for him? Or am I living and asking God to bless my side? I just want to go through some of the parallels of this story of the people of Israel and the story for us this morning. You know, for them, God did something powerful, something awesome and miraculous and amazing. He delivered the Israelites from Egypt. God had raised up this family of of Jacob into a great people and he sets them free and he blesses them and they walk through on dry ground through the Red Sea. But you know, for us on the other side of the board there, it says, Jesus did something even more powerful. Christ has given his life as the sacrifice for sin that sinners like you and me can go free. That we not be judged as we deserve, but Jesus has done something even more powerful than what God did for the Israelites. And then we see God called them to enter his promised land. He calls them to go into the land. He allows the 12 spies to go into the land and then they refuse to go so they don't get to go. But eventually they go into the land. And we are called to come by faith into God's eternal rest. We are called to come to him. Jesus says, come to me. If you are weary, if you carry heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. And we are called to come, but just like the people of Israel, Israel, we have a choice to make. Are we going to trust him and enter into his land, enter into the promised land of trusting in Christ and becoming a part of his family, his kingdom? Or are we going to do it our own way? There is forgiveness and life and joy and peace and rest, but it's our choice. And then finally, they step out in faith and they cross over, they pass through the water the people of Israel, first through the Red Sea and then through the Jordan. And we are now called to step out in faith and be baptized. In obedience to the Word of God, we are called to follow Him through the waters of baptism. And that talks about how the people, of, the men of Israel were called to renew their covenant, to cut away the flesh as they remembered God's covenant with them. And also... 
we, as his church, are called to live new lives. You read through the, old, uh, the New Testament and it tells us, cut away those old sinful desires. You're a new creation in Christ. Don't turn back to those old things. Don't live like the rest of the world. Let your life be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Cut off the flesh. Not physically, spiritually. Cut off that old life, those old ways. Live for me. Live for the glory of God. And then it says they celebrated and remembered the Passover. They, they celebrated God's faithfulness and His goodness. And we are called to celebrate and remember and, and remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God, of what He has done for us through the cross. As we read through the Old Testament, there is so much that we can miss if we don't see the parallels of what Christ or what God has done for His people, but now the fulfillment of what Christ has done for us through the cross. I just want to read from Romans chapter 2, talking about circumcision and, and how it now applies to us. Romans chapter 2, verse 25 to 29. It says, The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Church, sometimes obedience has a cost, but our God is faithful and it is so worth any cost He may call you to give up. Any price that it costs you amongst friends, amongst, uh, I just think of the guys who responded to Youth Alive last night, and you know, there's going to be a cost for you to stand up and be counted as a follower of Christ. I remember going through uh, school and having times of people sort of paying me out, bagging me for my faith in Christ, but I've got to be honest, once I, I knew Jesus was my saviour, um, I, I've talked before about how I got the name, nickname Mr. Happy. Uh, it didn't matter what they said because my faith was in Christ and He is unshakable. And we've got to stand up and be counted, church. We don't, we're not called to just live like the rest of the world. We're called to be different. But we can trust in God's goodness. And when we are weak, He makes us strong. I want to finish this morning by explaining the title of my message, which I said may have been a, bit, a little bit confusing, Supernatural Faith. We serve a supernatural God. He is all-powerful. He's the creator of all things. He spoke and planets came into being. He's not limited by our human weaknesses. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan. He, he's a miracle-working, wondrous, almighty God. He can transform hearts and lives. He can bring peace and restoration. No matter how broken or injured or hurt we might be, God is able to restore us. 
But if I'm totally honest, I think sometimes we can become so familiar with God that we start to think about God's sovereign, supernatural power. And we can miss the significance of our simple, natural calling to obedience. You see, God had these simple, natural things that he'd called the people of Israel to do. Circumcision. It's a simple, natural, slightly uncomfortable thing to do. It was an outward sign of what was to be an inward reality for them. But it was super important. To not obey was to be cut off from the people of God. They were told to, to, for the original Passover to, to have this meal together. And to do this simple thing of painting the blood of a lamb over their doorframe. And to us, we can think that is just weird. And I'm probably sure they thought this is kind of weird, although they were a little bit more used to blood sacrifices and things than we are. It was a simple thing. But for us in our humanness in 2022, we see simple things that people might do. And, and, and we, we hear of simple things that God's calling someone to do. And we go, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? But God delivered those who followed his simple instructions to paint the blood of the lamb over the doorframe. You know, church, we are called to a simple thing called faith in Christ. And for some people, it seems too simple. They're like, I can't, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to do stuff to please God. I've got to earn His forgiveness. I can't just, I can't just say I've got faith and, and trust in Him. But we're called to have faith in a mighty God. We're called to commit to fellowship, to gathering together with the people of God, to celebrate communion. It's an instruction of God. It's a calling of God. It's a super simple thing, but it is powerful in our lives. As we come around the cross every single week and remember what Jesus' sacrifice means for us. We're called to do this simple thing called reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God. How often is it 10 minutes a day? Is it, is it, do I have to do 15, Andrew? No, it's meditate on the Word of God day and night. Do not let the words of, his, of, of this book depart from your mind. We're called to pray without ceasing. And, and you might think, oh, how am I supposed to do that? God wants to fill our lives with his presence. He wants us to be aware of him in every moment. It's a simple step to open the word of God, but it is powerful in your life. It calls us to encourage one another. It's such a simple thing. It's such a practical thing. You can pick up your phone and call someone and say, hey, how are you doing? And you are obeying the word of God and God's call for you as you encourage one another. We are called to live righteous lives out of reverence for what Christ has done for us, to cut off the old sinful nature, to not go back to those things and to live a life to honour and glorify God. And we slip up at times, we mess up. But let's dust ourselves off and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, Lord, I'm coming with you. Don't go back to those old things. Don't entertain those old things. And as we do what God has called us to do, the simple, natural things, God does something amazing. See, church, God takes our natural obedience and He makes it super. God takes our natural and He makes it supernatural. 
You know, sometimes I think we think we have to do these amazing things for God. We have to, like, until we've raised 100 people from the dead, we feel like we haven't cut it. But no, God's just saying, no, it's just follow me. Jesus' call wasn't come, no, he, he said you will do, but trust me, follow me, and you will be who I want you to be. The title of our series is Be With God. It's not try and do amazing things, just be with God. Obey Him in the simple call. Obey Him in the little things. I think some of us put ourselves down so terribly. Can I be honest? I feel like so often we, we say, oh, I just do this. And when you just do that, God rejoices in your obedience. You know, as a team was sharing about the projector and all of those little things today, like God rejoices when someone serves by fixing something around this place. God rejoices when you serve someone a cup of tea and coffee and say, God bless you. God rejoices when you welcome someone in the door and say, it's great to see you today. God rejoices when you show someone else the love of God. I just want to share, I, I, I can't share the details, which I would love to be able to, but this, this week um, was a situation came up with a family in town and I have connection with the school that that family's connected to and it was contacted and, you know, um, like I said, I can't share details, but it was just a, a horrible situation going on in a family's life here in town and through a few people, I, they asked if possibly as a church, because they knew I was a pastor here, they sort of said, is there anything as a church that we could do to help them? And I just shared it with a few different people last Sunday afternoon and we were able to provide some meals and some clothes and some finance. And I think three or four times this week, I had people contact me and just say that there, and, and there was tears flowing as they just said, thank you so much for your church family. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you, not just to those who gave and did things this week for that family, but for those who have that heart and spirit in this place, I want to say thank you. You know, God rejoices over you as you do those things. It might be making a meal, it might be praying for someone, it might be giving some finance, just doing something to help someone out, but God is glorified as we be His church. If we want to have supernatural faith, I'll ask the band to come just as I make this final point. If we want to have supernatural faith, let's cut off the old flesh, let's not live for ourselves, let's not do our own thing. Let's remember his sacrifice for us. And let's not just ask God to bless our plans, but let's fall on our face before God, just as Joshua did. And let's listen to his plans for us. Let's say, God, lead me. God, use me. God, show me where you want me. and I, want, I just want to be with you. I want to be with you in where you're working, where you're calling me to live this life for your glory, God. And God will be glorified. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we, God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that as we read and hear about the way you challenged the people of Israel, the, the challenges that they faced, and God, when they messed up, God, your your forgiveness for them, God, but Lord, also your continued calling and faithfulness to your people. And God, we just thank you so much that you are the same God. God, you are the same God who, who rescued your people from Egypt, who, who parted the seas so that they could cross over on dry land. 
God, you are the same God who works in, in our lives. And I just thank you, God, for the way you parted the water for that family that we were able to be a part of blessing and, and supporting this week. I thank you, Lord, for people's lives that you have been intervening in this week, Lord, in just simple, practical ways as people have served and loved one another. And God, I just pray that you would stir us in faith to simply enjoy God and, and, and joyfully step out in obedience to your simple call day by day, that you would do something supernatural, Lord, in our lives and in our, in our world, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, for anyone here today, Lord, that they have never put their trust in you. If the angel of the Lord came to you today, to them today, Lord, and asked, whose side are you on that they aren't sure today? Lord, I just pray for that person right now. You know, the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess that you're, you are a sinner, that you acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, if you'll turn away from your sin and come follow him, it says your name is written in the book of life, that you are forgiven, that you are washed clean, that you are made new, you are a new creation in Christ. And I just want to encourage you right now, you can just pray it in your mind, God, hears your thoughts, say, God, I'm sorry. God, please take my life and have your way in me. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your love, for your mercy and your grace, Lord, that you would choose to use us as your people to tell the world about you, God. We are so grateful, Lord. We are so thankful. And we just want to give all praise and glory to you, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.